Welcome to episode eight of the Toledo Matters podcast and your host, Bob Tucker. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, found a, a little, I found a maraca in here. Doing a little musical intro today, huh? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> w- welcome to the podcast, folks. Uh, Danny was just here, but he had to run. Uh, we're, we're just doing a quick little intro before we have uh, our guest, Molly Reams Thompson, who is the director of the uh, Launchpad Incubator at the University of Toledo, among a lot of other things. She's she's had a full life, man. Definitely, right? yeah. she's like the the most of the show was getting to her getting back to Toledo. <laughs> it's just all kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. So th- that's pretty interesting. Crazy. Um, meantime, Nate, where have you been spending a lot of your time? Well, um, the long-awaited <laughs> arrival of the Toledo Barcade uh, reset has finally opened. Um, what was it? The Friday before last. Um, I was over there with uh, our friend Scott, who is a huge uh, gamer, arcader guy, and he runs a YouTube channel called Cartridge Crusaders. So yep. uh, check that out if you're interested in that type of stuff. Um, fun videos, fun videos. For sure. Um, but yeah, so we were there like a few minutes early and there really wasn't anybody there. So we were the first customers. We bought a shot and Scott basically went around and high scored every arcade game in the building. Um, <laughs> he would. <right>? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's 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 really good. Um, you know, it's it's got all the classics you need. It's got a self-beer pourer. Uh, they've got retrons where you can play Super Nintendo and Nintendo games at your table while you eat. Um, obviously it's got the full menu of bar one, four, five. So, uh, it's fun. I'm pretty excited to have it. And it's located right next to bar one, four, five on Monroe street, right? Yeah. And it's, it's like part of bar one, four, five. So you can literally go in between the buildings um, and stuff. So it's, it's been pretty fun and they also have a bunch of TVs. So I was been going there. I went there last Sunday and this Sunday. So I was being able to get my football fix and my video game fix all at the same time that sounds awesome pretty nice yeah yeah (laughs) and good food and you know beverages yeah it's pretty good and i know on wednesdays they have bar 145 does the five dollar burger and they have the build your own burger so which are good they're really good and for five bucks i mean that's how much a wendy's meal costs so you you can't you really can't beat it for sure i know danny's been talking about he's been going to I, i haven't made it yet but i don't know maybe i'll go tonight how about that That'd be awesome. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna be over there with uh, the VA crew. So all right, you can come and meet the the, the famous Kevin Marsh. Ah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, without further ado, here is Molly Thompson. I listened to IoT when I was a kid, and if I turn to it now, it's playing the same music. Oh, it's so bad, <laughs> and it hasn't changed. <laughs> And I, I think music's changed a little in 20 nope, years. It's still the same. It's no? kind of like startups, though. So you have to iterate. You have to evolve. Yeah, yeah. Like anything. Well, and, and you know, new music does come out every Tuesday. <laughs> Speaking of that, Justin Bieber's new album dropped last week. Fantastic. Oh, you wouldn't know that, Danny. No, it's Chris Messino is sending me links every day. Her, the <laughs> So you're, you're the director at the Launchpad. He's the manager at the Launchpad. Good friend. We actually went to reset that barcade on Thursday and had a good time, but he has been sending me Justin Bieber links all weekend. Why would he do that? Cause there, he just, Justin, Justin Bieber's Bieber, awesome. Bieber was on Ellen and he sang this sorry song and I made a big joke about it at a meeting we had oh, okay. and he pulled me aside after the meeting. He's like, actually dude, I love Bieber. <laughs> <laughs> See, I didn't know. Are it. you a believer? No, I'm not. I am not at yeah, all. Yeah, because that's okay, Danny. That was what I'll I was thinking. Someday, to it. probably. It's like when Britney Spears wasn't cool, but now you look back and everyone's like, "Oh, I loved her." Everyone will probably do that with Justin Bieber too. I don't know about that. Yeah, <laughs> I hope not. 
I was going to say I'm not going to weigh in on that one. Yeah, yeah. Today we have with us Molly Thompson. Is that, did I pronounce that correctly? Yes. All right, that's that's my joke. Uh, who is the director <laughs> of... <laughs> I'm looking at you going, what? The, the TH is full, yeah. So um, uh, you're the director of the Launchpad at UT, right? Yes. Which is an incubator for businesses. Yes. And you do some other stuff too, which I'm sure we'll talk about. I dabble. Yeah. Uh, and of course, I'm here today with Danny and Nate. Uh, welcome, guys. It's hello. It's for once. It's cold in this room. Yeah, it's recording. either super hot or freezing. So yeah. there is no middle ground with I, that room. I have my shoes off and I am holding my my feet up high off the <laughs> ground because it's well. Icy. I I had a carpet in there. <laughs> um, the cats uh, saw to making oh, that yeah. be thrown yeah. away. Yes. Yeah. I, I I wish I had an ugly Christmas sweater like Danny's wearing. I was gonna say you listen, must, my, you must be my hot kitty cat sweater. Christmas sweater is amazing <laughs> and it's doing me it's paying dividends today. And, and let me let it be known that we are recording this before Thanksgiving and Danny is wearing a Christmas sweater. <laughs> yeah, After, I have a fundamental issue with that. Thank you. No, November first is Christmas season, guys. No, no, there's no Thanksgiving not. music. What are you going to play during Thanksgiving? <laughs> Nothing. But there are sweaters <laughs> with turkeys on them, dude. Yeah, get, get a big turkey sweater. That has yet to be seen. Yeah, I'll find one for you. <laughs> and it's not going to be pretty, and you will wear it. <laughs> I will. All right. If you guys find me a real crappy turkey sweater, I'll definitely wear it. I'm going to the Google right after this Oh, show. no, no, no. Go to Woot. Woot? Woot, yep. Shirt.woot.com. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Nice little plug there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Molly, are you from Toledo? I am. All right. Born and, and raised. All right. And uh, so, the inevitable question, where'd you go to high school? Ottawa Hills. <laughs> Ottawa Hills. Okay. K through 12. All right. I, I went to St. Francis myself. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Right down the street? Yeah, right down the street. We're and my dad grew there. grew up right down the street on this very street. Yeah, here in West sunny Westmoreland. Right? Yes. Yeah. And then uh, where'd you go after her high school? Away. Away. <laughs> Away to where? <laughs> that was my goal. Yeah. Um, I went to St. Lawrence University in upstate New York for undergrad. Okay. And then... After that, it was, and I'm never coming back. <laughs> so for 20-some-odd years, I went started on, a, on one coast in D.C., yeah, and then spent four years there, and then Ann Arbor, and then Chicago for about seven, and L.A. for 12, and so, then realized I didn't want to raise my kids in L.A. Yeah, mm. yeah, and you, you know. Came back, came back on here. purpose. That's great. <laughs> uh, what, what were you doing in D.C.? I worked in the U.S. Senate for a couple of years, and I worked in the nonprofit world. Uh, for the Senate, were you uh, like a committee staff person or working for a senator's office? Oh, US, I was a U.S. senator. You were, were you? Really? No, I'm kidding. Oh, yeah. wow. At, at the age of 20. <laughs> yeah. Did you hear all of us pause for a second? Wait, I oh, did. <laughs> this show just got really good. <laughs> and now we're back. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, I I did uh, actually. I worked for a U.S. senator who was the swing vote in a number of um, interesting things, like when they came up with the colorization of film. Yeah. So got to meet all sorts of really cool people: George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, Woody Allen, Mikhail Baryshnikov. Wow. On and on and on. Ted so, Turner. Damn. That's so awesome. What it was cool? What would have been the legislation about colorization of film? Like, Should they or shouldn't they? Colorized like, film? Yes. Like if they're colorizing the old the old films, does that inherently change oh, the for, whole for, for industry like, for posterity and for whatnot. like uh, intellectual property protection mm -hmm. sort of stuff? Yeah. Okay. So uh, so that was one of them. There was a um someone they were voting on to be oh my gosh, was he like attorney general, Robert Bork? 
he was he was up to be for the uh, <laughs> um, Supreme Court. <laughs> and so deconceding was a swing vote on that, and I did all of his dictation. Yeah. So he would um, this a little bit of a side note, but he would say, take a take a letter to John J O H N Smith Scarnowski. Dear John. <laughs> well, you know, John what? could be spelled J-O-N. Right, right. right. That's, there's only one way to there's spell it. There's only that. one way. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of consonants. Yeah. So I, I missed the name. What was the name of the senator? Uh, Deconcini. Okay. And where was he from? Arizona. Arizona. So yeah. when John McCain came into the U.S. Senate, that You're, was okay. the first year I was working for Deconcini. Okay. It's kind of cool. Very how do you, cool. How do you land up, end up working for a Arizona senator? <laughs> It's all who you know, right? Okay. <laughs> In D.C. <laughs> so through family contacts, it was uh, I was working at the World Bank mm. and then moved on to yeah. the U.S. Senate. Right on. It was on. cool. It actually, it was really fun. It was like right out of college, really fun. And then uh, I think after you had this litany of places, so it was D.C. and then Ann, Ann Arbor. Arbor. And mm-hmm. Got my MBA. From the Michigan. University of Michigan. All right, yeah. cool. And Go blue. yeah, anyway, um, <laughs> moving, moving. Good on. week moving for you guys. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I'll take you down right here, Danny. <laughs> Next week, this week, Michigan we'll State. See. Anyway, um... yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, Ottawa Hills kicker, right? Yeah, uh, isn't yeah. that awesome? Yeah. So his is either his parents or his um, aunt and uncle was in my class. Well, there you go. So yeah. small world, Geigers. Love and then uh, you get your MBA at U of M, and mm-hmm. then you went off to Chicago, I believe you said. Yes. To do what in the Windy City? To do what every MBA does. Consulting? Uh, no, advertising. I'm oh, kidding. shoot. <laughs> didn't do, what I, didn't do what, I'm kind of an atypical MBA. <laughs> All right. So um, like an advertising firm or, or yep, in-house like somewhere? Yeah, like J. Walter Thompson, a okay. um, couple other boutique firms, and yeah. then went over to Ad Sales, yeah. House, Country, uh, House Beautiful and Town and & Country. All right. Um, and then realized, wow, I really don't want to be working in the corporate world anymore. Hmm. So, uh, left, drove cross country by myself for six weeks. Wow. And That's fun. yeah, it was really awesome. By yourself? Yeah. Went, I did a lot of first camping, <laughs> hiking. It was really fun. As long as your I car holds up, it. that'd be great. Yeah. Drove into the Pacific with it. It was really fun. Nice. What kind of car did you drive? Uh, back Ford then? Explorer. Nice. Okay. Reliable. Yeah. I drove yeah. a Ford Explorer across the country as well. It was, it was uh, awesome. I highly recommend it. It's apparently a thing you do with Ford Explorers. You go exploring. <laughs> Could be. Makes you sense. go exploring. Yeah. I mean, I'm a literal person. Why not? So, so it, you, you drive your car into the Pacific Ocean, and then you decide, what, you're going to... This is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it out here. Yeah. And so one of my clients, when I was in the ad sales business, hired me, moved me out to L.A., and wow. so I was in... Uh, gosh, who's who of industries out there? So, yeah, yeah, furniture sales, consulting, uh, became a book author. Book that author was my first startup, was with that book author. Uh, meaning, so you, you wrote, wrote a, book, a book or is that jinx? <laughs> <laughs> I wish there were some visuals, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the dual, like, uh, <laughs> yes. So, I'm an internationally published author, okay, awesome. And wrote a book with three other women called I Am Diva, Every Woman's Guide to Outrageous Living. <laughs> Sounds like fun. <laughs> it was it was really fun uh, yeah. because I learned a lot about uh, myself 
about working in teams and about managing projects and about other people mm -hmm. and how people inherently want to contribute even when it comes off um, as a criticism. Right. Mm, right. So, yeah, yeah like, um, let me tell you specifically how and when and why you will never become a published author by <laughs> a major <laughs> label. Yeah. Mm. And it's, huh. All right, cool. Thanks That's for helpful. sharing. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> how long did it take you to write that book? Um, well, by, by the time it was published, it was about almost exactly three years. Wow. And then it was AOL Time yeah. Warner. So we did exactly what we wanted to do. Yeah. So it was like, huh. All right. Well, that was interesting. So was that like your full-time job then? They gave you like money to write the book and then you wrote it type thing? Or? We, we did get an advance. Um, the downside of having co-authors is an advance divided by five because our publisher, our, um, our uh, yeah, our, no, our manager, agent. agent, whatever he's called. Our agent uh, was basically got a fair split from what we did. So. Yeesh. Yeah, it was, yes, because we did all the work, so that sure. was a little painful. <laughs> right. I found my next career path. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's not for the faint of heart. So in the end, right, was that a lucrative adventure for you? Um, rich in experience <laughs> and adventure. Right, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, it was it was awesome. It was really fun, and no, it was not lucrative. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard writing a book doesn't make you money, but it makes you damn busy. It was, uh, yeah. And it was, it was a, I would not trade that for anything. Yeah, it sure. was great. So writing with two other people. Three. Three other people. Sorry. I, I thought it was three altogether, but th so four altogether. Did you, was it a collaborative, we're working on this one piece altogether, or did you have, well, I'm doing this chapter and you're doing this chapter. Once we finally got the framework for what we wanted to do, it was, um, we, it was turned out to be 52 chapters. So we each did 13 Wow. But we had to make sure that they were kind of cohesive, sure. yeah. somewhat. Yeah. And then after that, we we worked with our editor at um, AOL Time Warner, who helped us kind of weave it all together so that it didn't sound like four, four different like voices, choppy, right? Yeah, nice. Yeah. So yeah, so that was um, so we met every single week, and it was a great exercise because I I'm not a journalist. Yeah, I was not previously a writer. And to have to show up every Friday and produce something was really something. So. Right, right. Um, all right. So I, after you wrote the book and it, it gets published, you go on some grand book tour? or We did. Uh, we yeah. went all over the country. Went to wow. New York, um, Chicago, Detroit, Toledo, of course. Of course. Go Rockets. Uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, and then all over L.A. And Jeez. I think that's it. Yeah, it was fun. Did you get paid to go on that tour? Um. Well, they covered our expenses, but okay. I, I mean, so we, we didn't get paid, but right. we didn't, you know, didn't trying to Sweet. sell books, I guess and, is the point. Um, <laughs> and what was interesting is that, um, I had had my twins and so they went with me on the book tour because they were four months old. Well, jeez. <laughs> so that was girls or boys or one both? of each. Nice. All right. Yeah. Didn't mix. That would have been rough. It was, <laughs> it was, it was fun. It was great. It was crazy. It was like one of those. Yeah. I can't believe I did that. Yeah. So did you have like a like a babysitter that came with you, or did you have your yes. kids right with you at the my booth? mom? Okay. <laughs> no, we did. We did this one. Um, oh, this one show that was kind of like an underground New York, and um, like the people before and after us were somehow involved in the sex industry. 
So that was one of those like, yeah, not don't really want to take my newborn infants with me to that one. <laughs> well, so. they're probably too young to remember it, I guess. But uh, yeah, maybe <laughs> still shapes you, Bob. You know. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> so they say. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That so, explains a lot. So right. after the book, what would you do then? Uh, let's see here. Well, I've done business consulting. Um, I coached people on writing business plans, which is very entertaining because I'm the like biggest anti-business plan writer now. <laughs> yeah. Um, only cause I've learned a lot about why they don't work. Yeah. At least not in the startup industry. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, I was in jewelry design for about eight years. Um, wow. I worked in executive recruiting for one of the top three executive recruiting companies in the world. So you've been all over. Definitely. <laughs> yes. So Definitely. when did you come back to Toledo? Uh, six and a half years ago. Okay. And uh, you said you came back because you wanted to raise your kids. Was there some other reason you were being pulled back? or? Well, my parents are still here. Okay. And yeah. I wanted my That'll kids be. to have more than a, uh, yeah, my grandparents, those people I see once or twice a year. <laughs> right. So, and my mom, quite frankly, had said one of the, the ways she lured us back here was to say, it'll be almost like having a live-in nanny. Oh, right. <laughs> but if point. anyone knows, yeah, it was all a ruse. <laughs> if anyone knows my parents, they have like they have a far busier social life than any of us combined. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, well, that's not hard with us. But yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. Once the barcade closes, we're pretty much done. <laughs> <laughs> that's very funny. So, uh, and then when you're now with the Launchpad, which is UT's business mm -hmm. incubator, uh, did that start six and a half years ago with you or was it around before then? Or? No, it started, um, as a clean and alternative energy incubator program in around 2006. Um, and that the focus then, I mean, that was a huge part of Toledo with first solar, right. um, and a lot of the technology that got introduced or invented at UT, um, so it made sense then. Sure. Um, I took over in 2013. I was actually in sustainable agriculture before that. Okay. So. So sustainable agriculture in Toledo. <laughs> where what is that in Toledo? Um, well, it's actually evolved a lot in Toledo. So I worked on a 300-acre sustainable farm in Milan, Ohio. Okay. Yeah. Um, the Chef's Garden. So right. I um, did all the fundraising for VeggieU, which is a nonprofit. And it's a five-week, Danny, your face you is just awesome. Just do everything. You've just done everything. <laughs> well, you know, try it all. See what <laughs> sticks. Um, but it's a five-week science curriculum to help kids understand where their food really comes from. Mm. And so I did all the fundraising for that and got some national, the first national sponsorship for that and really cut my teeth in fundraising and kind of helping to do a turnaround of um, it wasn't a startup. It was an, it's a nonprofit, but it kind of was, it was that yeah. same experience. Yeah. Um, so what would age kids go through that program? Um, well, it depends on the, with the ever changing core standards, it was like third to fifth grade. Okay. So it's, um, it's a little grow kit that they grow in the classroom with okay. little led lights and, mm. um, get to grow different herbs and some veggies and then they taste different veggies and, to, I when I first started um, doing that, I went to a lot of the TPS schools, and oh my gosh, it's really so amazing to see these little kids and see them taste, you know, potatoes or purple <laughs> carrots or things that they've never like little microgreens they've never seen before, and they just are so lit up 
And invariably, every single time someone would come up to me or a handful of them say, can I take this home to my mama or to my, you know, my grandparent or whoever their guardian was? I mean, that was, it was pretty impactful to see that. And, you know, as you realize that we joke that, wow, where did the, where carrots come from? No, they don't come from Kroger's. And a lot of people, a lot of kids growing up today don't know that. Huh. Yeah. So it's yeah. amazing just that disconnect. Just assume that Kroger's like growing them in the back. And <laughs> they they don't even have no. They don't even know that things grow. They right. think they just kind of just appear. Show up. Right. right. Yeah. So that kind of disconnection. So really to help people kind of get back to how things grow. Really. So, so is it just vegetable stuff, or do you go into like where does chicken meat come from and all that? Or? Um, well, <laughs> we just focus. On <laughs> we just focused on veggies. Okay. But. Uh, it gets, it gets a little. Diagrams. It gets a little nasty once you start talking about where does their hamburger come from. Well, it's. Uh, so, but we did well. So because I I was in sustainable agriculture that started when my kids were starting kindergarten in a public school in Southern California, and I said, "You're feeding what?" And they had just come from a Montessori like experience. Yeah. So it was a it was a real shock, and it was a <laughs> you're feeding what to my kids? Right. Tater tots. So, and... Right, and so started doing just some really basic research, and then that turned into more and going up to like the. Um, Center for Eco Literacy up in Berkeley and connecting with them and just getting more and more research and realizing, oh my gosh, we have a serious issue in this country with food and the impact that yeah. it has on people. Yeah. So, absolutely. so I'm still actually very involved in the local food community. So Toledo has a blossoming food community, which full circle back to your original question, what's yeah. happening in Toledo, and uh, we have probably. Um, Northwest Ohio is agriculturally dominant in the state of Ohio, but probably 70% of it is for, is of the crops that are grown are grown for lives to feed livestock, right? which oh, is wow. wacky. <laughs> so, <laughs> so corn, right? The corn, corn, we don't soybeans, eat the corn from actually yeah. around here. Right. 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 So, um, really wow. supporting a lot of the local farmers and, my life goal would be to decentralize the food supply and just as a way to get people connected. Because if you look at where your food comes from, something magical happens if you have a connection with the person who grow it, grew it, produ- produced it, fat, who put it together, yeah, um, like a chef or whatever. Um, and then if you look at from an economical standpoint, if you um, take into account, like if everyone went to the farmer's market once a week and spent $5, like that's pretty easy to do. Right. I know I spend yeah. well oh, over yeah. that. But if everyone in our community did that in Northwest Ohio, that would put about $350 million back into our economy. That's mm. a pretty big number. Right. So, and we talked about, I think in one of our earlier episodes, we had somebody had brought up the farmer's market and that they try, try to go there like on, once a week or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and this year, my family, we were part of a CSA for the first time. Oh, which, through whom? Oh, uh, was uh, Ream Farms. Oh, yeah. 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 That's great. It was a great experience. And next year, we, we, we just did vegetables this year, but we're going to do meat and veggies next year. What's a CSA? Uh, con- community, well, what's it? Community, community supported, supported agriculture. agriculture. Yeah. Yeah. It's a farm share. <laughs> okay. So um, basically, it is a way that you pay for your share of a whole season's worth of food up front. Because yeah. that allows for the farmers to plan production okay, um, so that they can factor all that in and have plenty to grow for everybody. That's pretty cool. And then it's really cool. For the one we did, like once a week, you, you show up 
actually right over at UT by the uh, engineering buildings. Yeah. Right, actually right outside of Launchpad oh, really? Yeah, yep. right there. Oh, so, yeah. So every, I forget what day of the week it was. but Tuesday. You, Tuesday. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> you go up and, and you pick up your big bag of veggies for that week. And, you know, we're a family of four with two little kids and we, we struggle to eat, eat all of it within the week. Yeah. But it, so, it, it made us eat healthier in addition to like, like uh, Molly's talking about. Is it a connected. mix of all different veggies? Yep. You get oh, zucchinis yeah. in there and, and it's stuff? And seasonal too, right? Okay. So there's a week there where you get garlic snapes, which are scapes. I said, oh, scapes. 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 Oh my gosh. Which are, I had never heard of these before, but it was yeah. the, probably the biggest discovery and my favorite thing from the whole experience. It's cool. They look like kind of long, skinny green beans. Uh, for lack of a better term. Kind and, of like leeks and green beans, but they're really yeah, they're windy. long and windy and skinny, and, and you cut them, and they taste and smell just like garlic. They're pretty Crazy. awesome. Yeah. yeah. So price-wise, do you feel like you were spending less money yeah. than you would have you just buying You do spend less money, because yeah. okay. if you go to the store and you're buying things on a one-off basis, right. yeah. if you add that up, I mean, it might seem like less, but just because you're paying, you know, a couple hundred bucks up front. Yeah. Right. But that's for like... A bunch of food. May right. through September right. or so. Yeah. Yeah. And it's once a week for that time period and yep. you get a huge bag. And that sounds awesome. Where do you go to like sign up for that? Is there a website uh, With that particular one, yeah. Shared it's... Legacy is another one. That's a yeah. great one. Kurt and Karina Bench. And the Bench family has been around for, I don't know how many generations. But um, if you just look up Shared Legacy CSA, you'll find that one. Yeah. And, and they also do eggs, um, yeah. cheese, and a couple of them. And Kurt and Karina do this one, which is coffee with Maddie and Bella Coffee, which is local, another right. local. Yeah, so, Kurt and what? so all the growers are local um, growers and stuff as well? Then? Yep. Within it's the all, general area. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, local growers. It's all grown at uh, Bench Farms at Shared Legacy with one or two exceptions. Um, and then they they work with like Canal Junction or Turkey Foot Creamery for the cheeses. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and Maddie and Bella for the coffee. Yeah, awesome. So and that Re- sounds cool. Reem is spelled, I think, R I E H M. Yeah, R I E H M, I think. There may or may not be an H in there, but if you search for it on, on the like Google, Thompson. you'll find it. But <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. We, then, we like food here too. Yeah, food's good. <laughs> food's very good. And then all of that led you to. Running the incubator? Yeah, kind of. So I actually um, ended up there kind of by accident. Um, Don't so, we all. yes. That's how life is. <laughs> yes. Um, so I was actually, um, after I left EdgeU, I was teaching the first entrepreneurship course for the urban ag students at Owens. Um, and it was a, just a one off, it was a teaching one semester, knowing that mm. it was probably a one off thing for me. Um, and, um, a friend of mine had asked me to help him out with, um, some work that he was doing for his startup. And so, um, he said, Hey, we're going over to UT today to meet with some folks over there cause they have an office for us. And I was like, fantastic. Yeah. And then, um, it, they ended up having a, a change up in the, the staffing there. And he said, I just got a call and they're actually looking for help and they need help finishing up this grant. And there's just a couple months left. What do you think? And I was like, that sounds really cool. So we started there. And then when the grant ended up, I ended up retooling the position or they ended up retooling the position and bringing me on full time as director to kind of retool it and rebuild it. And here I am. And I loved it. So, and I still do. 
So you said it started as like a clean energy sort of thing, but yep. it, it's not that today or? or... Um, while alternative energy still is a portion of what our focus is, um, one of the first things that I noticed that was already changing um, within a, a couple other areas, not only in the region, but even within UT was um, IT is huge, which now is kind of a no brainer, right? Right. Yeah. Um, and then the, the biotech was really starting to come online. So we were doing, um, a little bit of advanced, advanced manufacturing, um, which, you know, may or may not have fallen under the alternative energy, depending on which company it was, Yeah. but to really take a look at, okay, so what's happening not only within UT, but what's happening elsewhere in the region. That's a real like kind of natural progression. So we added those on. So uh, if a company, what's the benefit for a company to be involved with the incubator? Uh, so the benefit, well, there it depends how you look at it. So uh, one benefit is the the physical space. So we have a pretty cool building. Um, I know Danny's there often, <laughs> if not daily. Um, and so it was built. The building was built in 2010. Um, and so how it's set up is it's just very accessible to all the other companies that are there. So just by being around all the other companies who are also in that startup mode, it's a really cool energy to be in that building. Um, so that's one thing is the physical space. Then if you open it up to the network, that is one of the, maybe one of the biggest benefits of being in the program mm -hmm. is not only the assets that we have within UT, but then within the region. So our ability to be able to connect people, ideas, and resources together is what we, it's why we do what we do. Now you refer to it as a program. Is, mm -hmm. is it like a defined, okay, if, you, if you're going to be part of this, you're in it for a year, you're in it for two years, and we have these milestones, we have these things. Tell me about that. Uh, yes and no. Okay. <laughs> so it didn't used to be a program. It was supposed to have been. Yeah. And that was something um, when I stepped into the role, um, we started building that out into a, you start here. Here is a point of entry. You apply to be in this, like a, a clearly defined process. Um, and here are the, you know, one through 10 or 11 steps to get from point of entry to graduation from the program. So we put some of those things in place. Um, so it is a program now and, um, there, it's not a one size fits all. So the milestones are really dependent on each company and what their needs are, because sure. we have, while we are, we work with early stage technology based companies. Yeah. Um, but every company is different. So we have a few that are a little bit later stage than others. Some are barely out of the idea stage um, and we're helping them kind of build out their model. Others have a pretty good sense of what their model is. And so they are probably farther along, but as far as the timing goes, like an IT company would be uh, more likely to be there for about two years whereas a biotech would be maybe four to five years okay. just because of all the regulatory hurdles and compliance like yeah, that. Yeah. And, uh, does the launch pad or UT take or launch pads, financial backers take some sort of financial stake in the companies that are involved or. So that's so, a, that's a great question. So how we are set up is we are grant funded by the state of Ohio and with a match by university of Toledo. So we do not take any equity. Now, if one, we might uh, partner them with Rocket Innovations, which is kind of the in-house venture fund at UT, 
and they would take equity. Okay. Um, but how we're set up is that we don't. So, so if they needed extra funding for something they were trying to do, they could have that option. They're on their own. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so that's one thing that we're constantly doing is looking at who do we have in our network, whether it's, let's say it's um, like bio ag, then, hey, we'll reach out to the guys at Mommy Ventures, the in-house venture fund for the Andersons, um, or we'll reach out to Rocket Innovations if it's a UT technology or to Rocket Ventures or Millstream Angels or Core Network or any number of the different funding mechanisms, or maybe even, you know, if it makes sense, are there any, is there anyone elsewhere outside of our region in Cincinnati or up in Ann Arbor and yeah. Detroit? So that's part of that network that you're talking about, right? Yeah, part, part of the network benefit that you get is, is the, the, the funding connections mm -hmm. that you may have. And that's a big part of what I do and what I have been tasked to do yeah. is to really build that network. Cause that was not in place, not even close. Right. I, I guess I'm familiar at least in, in passing with things like, you know, Y Combinator and, mm -hmm. and other kind of accelerators where like part of the deal is when you come in, we, we, we give you X amount of money and we take this stake, but yep. it sounds like it's a little different. Uh, yeah. It is a little bit yeah. different. Um, in fact, one of our graduates went to Y Combinator, uh, Roost, Roost, yeah. yep, uh, Roost, which is really, that's, that is a, such a great win for us. So they, the founder was from Seattle or came from Seattle. Um, they really built their company in Toledo and then went to Y Combinator and are now in New York. And so that's a, I look at that as a huge win for us. Uh, we have another company from Toledo that just came back from Techstars in Chicago. Yeah. And uh, they may be coming into the incubation program. So, is which that... is another win for us. Stay tuned. Okay. <laughs> so, is there like a, is there a wait list? Like, is there a vetting pro? Like, do you guys? turn people away? How does like the approval process work? What do you like? Is there companies that can't do this or it, it's actually a bare knuckles fight? <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, the rock, we say rock, it's a, a uh, fight that it's, we Rochambeau. Yeah. 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 I'm really good at it. Um, <laughs> so we have, we do have a vetting process that has evolved. So we have, um, my favorite analogy is really in taking over this kind of this role and building the program. Um, we have really been, we have gotten pretty good at diving off the high dive and creating the water on the way down. Nice. So, um, it's just part of, I mean, maybe because I've started a bunch of companies, I just, I work well that way, but it's been, um, we kind of had to build the program that way because it's, there's just been a constant changing environment, mm -hmm. but that's kind of part of the entrepreneurial environment in our region. Um, but there, we do have a vetting process. We have an application process. Um, we put together an advisory committee and they are helping us with that. We're starting to engage more, um, people who are, have backgrounds actually since the last, the last pitch and pour, we've had people come from out of the woodwork to say, Hey, I want to help you. Mm -hmm. And I have experience in, you know, startup law in Silicon Valley, or I've started a couple companies myself, or, you know, just from all over from Northwest Ohio, all the way to Cincinnati, Ann Arbor. So that's, it's great. So we're doing a number of things at, at once. And one is how do we keep refining what our process is to make sure that we get yep. the best companies in there? Uh, because we're early stage tech-based companies, there are some companies that just aren't, aren't a fit. Um, that said, I do think it's important for us to find some resources for them, whether we refer them out to the SBDC, which is the 
Small Business Development Center um, in Toledo or to any of our other partners. Um, we're looking at the at bringing the whole landscape together and making it into a more well-defined landscape, whereas before it's been kind of si siloed mm -hmm. and a little bit scattershot. So we're trying to, our goal is to bring that into something that we can easily communicate and consistently, clearly, and collaboratively communicate. How's that for alliteration? Wow, that was a awesome. A lot of that Thank sounds you. really cool. To create our community. Just finishing <laughs> up that string. Wow. <laughs> so... Uh, for, for everyone not here, Molly's had a game face on since we started talking about the incubator, and it's just so fierce. Um, <laughs> Is it? Yeah, That's it, awesome. it's intense. I like it. Can you tell us about any of the companies that are in there? So I get to see them all the time, and I know they're awesome, but can you share some of the info, or is that secret? No, I can't. Okay. I'm cool. just kidding. Oh, yes, I can. So <laughs> I just like to have fun with you, Danny. <laughs> um, so we have, um, I would say it's probably about a third, a third, a third in terms of biotech, um, alter alternative energy, and IT. Um, we have uh, one company, Petrocore, which is IT. They're creating whole new solutions in um, web storage. <laughs> so, and uh, I will do myself and all of us a huge disservice if I say a whole lot more than that. Right. <laughs> Getting my game face on for Danny. <laughs> um but they, so they presented at Pitch and Pour a year ago and are now one of our companies that I think are poised to do very, very well, um, are going through some fundraising. And so it's been really great to see some of these companies come out of there. One of the advanced manufacturing companies is Gription. And he start, he was a UT student. Gription started a couple years ago when Tom Burden was a student and part of the methodology that we have um, developed, which is being used at top universities all over the country um, by serial entrepreneurs who've developed this program called the Lean Launch Methodology and Steve Blank, um, part of what they do, uh, part of the Lean Launch Methodology is really, it's a, like a flipped classroom. And this is where my, um, when I realized, oh my gosh, no wonder I always hated writing business plans. <laughs> They're completely made up. <laughs> um, but the the what the what we focus on is customer discovery. So if you find out, if you front load, instead of building your entire model and your entire company and then going to find comp uh, customers, what if you find your customers first and have that be what drives your model, with the intent being to create a model that's repeatable and scalable. So that's the customer discovery process is a key part of what we do. And one of the things that I find so um, interesting about Tom is he really latched onto that. And I don't think there's anyone in this entire region who has done customer discovery the way he does. So typically getting people to do customer in-person interviews is challenging because it just kind of confronts they just don't like to hear yeah. no we don't want it's like you don't want to hear you have an ugly baby <laughs> and people will tell you that if you ask people information they will tell you everything you need to know yeah but if you can look at that objectively and look at it not only just to get information but more importantly it's the insights from that information what are the patterns that keep repeating what are the things that keep showing up over and over with the people like oh my gosh i thought i was going to have soccer moms as my primary audience, as my customer. 
And it turns out it's actually wholesalers, <laughs> you know, and it, sometimes it can be that dramatic of a difference. Um, Tom took that on and has done over, he stopped counting, he said, at 600 wow. in-person interviews. So <laughs> he has really cut his teeth in this whole process. <laughs> and so whenever I can, I rope him into helping us, um, you know, work with companies because it's always an educational experience for me as well. So those are two of the companies. We have a couple of biotech companies as well. Um, one of them just got their 510K um, approval, which is a huge regulatory hurdle that they just kind of passed through that will allow them to start getting customers and testing more yeah. aggressively. So, yeah. yeah, so it's those are a couple of the different... We have about 16 or 17 companies right now. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they all keep their offices in the building? They do. We have um, one or two companies that were in the building, and now they've somewhat graduated, but they're still virtual companies. Right. Um, Twine, the photo booth company, is one of those. And um, they just got too big and um, are downtown and are st are just starting to really take I think off. They still have their office there, though. They are. Uh, no, actually, oh, as don't? of okay, they had it over summer. Recently. Yeah, yep. yeah, yep. As of this fall, they did not. Cool. So, are you looking for? Is there like well, every year at this time we look for more people? Or are you just constantly looking for new companies? So, um, what's interesting about incubation is that we're kind of on a rolling basis. Yeah. So it's, um, not like a, like a Y Combinator is typically that's more of an accelerator model and everyone starts and ends at the same time. Right. Yeah. And so with an incubator with ours anyway, we, it's on a rolling basis. So we're constantly looking for that and we're looking at how do we, you know, like pitch and pour our business pitch competition is a pretty decent source of deal flow startup weekend. So we will probably have an influx of companies come the first of the year um, out of those couple of events. So, and then we're work looking at who else can we collaborate with in the region mm -hmm. um, in a way that probably hasn't been done before. So Bowling Green has a program for students called The Hatch, which is a big, it's for student companies. And um, so we're looking at how we can support them once they've gone through the hatch to then go to the next level. Yeah. So, so th that kind of answers my question. You don't have to have some affiliation with UT to be involved. No, with Launchpad. Nope, you don't. So we have companies that are student companies. We have companies that are faculty that are UT technology. And then we have companies that are from the community with no prior affiliation. Great. And let's say someone might be interested in checking out the facility or maybe applying. How, how might they go about doing that? They can go to utilito.edu forward slash incubator, or they can call me or send me an email at molly.thompson at utilito.edu. Lovely. And Molly, this is by far our hardest hitting question of the day. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> Bring was, it on me. If there's a hidden gem in Toledo that most people might not know about that you just love, you love this place or this thing or this food. What might that be? Oh, that does, that's not even, you gotta work harder than that. It's foul and fodder. <laughs> Awesome. Okay. My name's on the wall. Is it really? <laughs> I backed it on Kickstarter, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> What's that? Fallen Fodder is a restaurant started by Scott Bowman, and it basically uses the best of what's local. 
um, locally sourced wherever he can. So, and the food is just really, it's, really awesome. It's pretty yummy. If it weren't so far out in Savannah, I'd go there more often. That's my only complaint. But uh, so yeah, rumor that's has what it I was there could be was, another one. Where, oh, where so where in Savannah is it? It's on um, McCord and Central. It's almost McCord a king. I think. Almost a king. You're right. Central. It is okay. next to City Barbecue. Yep. yep. Um, and then Balance Grill. I uh, just I love PK and that whole team. Yep. I love what they're doing. So, and then, I mean, so we use Maddie and Bella. So actually this is the hard part of this question is <laughs> where do I stop talking? Right. <laughs> um, because like at Pitch and Pour, I think just because I, I have some roots in, no pun intended, okay, pun absolutely intended, um, cheese ball pun intended. Um, <laughs> but because I have some roots in local food and I'm looking at it from an entrepreneurial standpoint, how can we support, if we're really going to be supporting local entrepreneurs, how can we tee that up and really make it full circle. So we have all local beer providers, um, all local food providers, or we did food trucks this year. And so, you know, pretty amazing. Yeah, it was. Yeah, we have, we have good food. If you want good eats, come to one of our events. I had a deep fried Mac and cheese ball with a sriracha crust. Rusty's. Yeah. And it it just blew my mind. And then my stomach is really mad. Rusty's has, I think, the best French fries in the city. That's my. Where's opinion. Rusty's at? It's, it's a food truck. It's a food truck. Oh, okay. so it's yeah. wherever you are, yeah. right. wherever you need to be. <laughs> so, you, real quick, you said a lot about pitch and pour the event. Mm-hmm. Can you give us just a quick. What is that? Uh, pitch and pour know. is a business pitch competition. It's not exactly like Shark Shark Tank because it's not. That's really the looking... best example I have when people. I know, ask, I know, but it really isn't only because it's not that we're looking for you know investors. Right. We're looking for early stage tech based companies that we as a community can get up under and grow into successful, thriving companies. Yeah. And so um, it's uh, the teams have five minutes and five slides to demonstrate their business concepts. Mm-hmm. And um, then we have a panel of judges. And it's been, we just had our fourth one two weeks ago. And, and it th- was great. I think the Waveflow Media Studios was involved at least with one of them. Is that right? Or no? Mm. Did it, we record something here or no? Oh, oh yes. I did a little voiceover. <laughs> I was very slightly I was involved. With some presentation. <laughs> yeah, one yeah, of the yeah. videos needed a, needed a better voice. So we, we ended up cutting the video anyway. Oh, okay. We only had five minutes, and it was. Oh, all right, shucks. But, so I, I, did, yeah. I did a thirty-second voiceover that didn't get used. So. Sorry, Nate. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was trying to do a plug for you, Nate. Sorry. I know. I was actually. I was wondering about that. <laughs> yeah, we just cut it out. It was. It was at the end of the day, the video didn't belong in that presentation. Well, yeah, which would have been which would have been super cool to have it in there. Yeah. But so that's something that we also do that's different and very un Shark Tank like. Is really uh, we had coaches. We um, had ten people from around the community. Whether it's you know some are IP attorneys, some are design people, IT people, startup guys and gals. Former and, Toledo Matterer Josh Cooper. Yes. So we have, yeah, so we had a number of people like that who really pitched in and provided coaching to get the team's pitch ready. So it's really bringing... (laughs) Yeah, did them pitch ready. Took a while. Yes, yes. Well, yes. Oh, that's right. Insider information. Yeah. (laughs) So, yes. So it was, it's all about how do we support, get up under the the teams in our community? Because really at the end of the day... I don't want Toledo to be like any other city. I don't want to be a mini Silicon Valley. I don't even want to be a mini Cleveland. I want to be the best thriving Toledo. You're here. Definitely. 
So uh, one other thing Danny said you, you do, something with coding. Oh, Coder Dojo. Yes. I yes, give, thank didn't you. didn't want to end before talking about so, that. So um, I tend to be, thank you very much, I tend to be a kind of big picture thinker. So when my husband and I moved back to town six and change years ago, one of the things that we looked at, first of all, we were bowled over, especially having come from L.A. and you know three other big cities before that, was, oh my gosh, there is so much opportunity here. I can't even believe it. If you look at how easy it is to plug into things here and get involved, it's phenomenal. Yeah. But right after that was kind of this weird, it's not apathy, but it's kind of the, it is the way it is mentality. Yeah. Maybe it's kind of a little bit of like that starving artist mentality. And we, it was kind of a head scratcher. Like, I don't get it. This is like, <laughs> there's, you can do anything you want to do in this community. Yeah. And so we looked at, started talking about what would it take to create Toledo as a sustainable community? What does that even mean? I mean, if we look at like environmentally, what does that mean? And you have the Metro parks and you have Toledo grows and a lot of the local food stuff and a lot of other things. If you look at socially, there is a crazy number. I mean, Toledo is lopsided in terms of how many awesome things there are going on at any given oh, yeah. time. Yeah. Just for pitch and pour, we had over 300 people and we were competing with three other major events that night. That's Huge a, event. I was at a 300 person event right. earlier that day. Right. It was amazing. So there's a lot of stuff going on. And then economically, how do things, how do things work in our community? Because there's like the traditional top-down economic development yeah. kind of growth. And then there's what we're doing at Launchpad, which is definitely bottom-up entrepreneurial grassroots. So we've been engrossed in that conversation <clears throat> for a number of years. And what are the things that either, what can we do to make a difference? What's missing that if we put that in place would really make a difference? Um, and who do we know that we can really kind of circle the wagons and bring into this conversation? So we met with, we've met with dozens and dozens and dozens of people over the last six or so years yeah. to investigate that. One of the things that comes up all the time, and particularly from a startup standpoint, um, if you guys are anywhere remotely near it, you probably heard this conversation, which is we, we get companies all the time that say, I have the business model down. I've got it nailed. It's like foolproof. All I need is funding. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, sit down. Let me talk to you. <laughs> Let me tell you a few things. But because so my my point in that part of it is the funding is not the issue. There is a ton of money out there. And I will argue that one to the wall because it's it's if you if you create something that's compelling, people will get up underneath you and support it. Yeah. Fall and fodder, perfect example of that. And there are dozens of others. So one of the things that we looked at that really is lacking in the community is talent. So if you're going to have a, a growth um, spike of startup companies, we need talent, the talent Absolutely. that can get up underneath it and support it. So from a long-term perspective, we looked at, okay, so yeah, the, people can go and take coding classes, but in the long-term, how do we really cause a sea change in the culture of entrepreneurship? And a friend of ours um, started this, this organization in 2011 called Coder Dojo, C-O-D-E-R-D-O-J-O. Like a temple of learning for coding. Right. Yeah. And um, so he came to visit us last spring and 
it was just, it just, we had been in these conversations around lack of talent mm -hmm. and how do we address that? And so we started one in June, the first, uh, June 6th, I think was our first one. So every Saturday from 12 to three, we have anywhere from like 12 to 20 kids. And now we're starting to gain some momentum where we have new kids who are starting to show up. We actually had a school come to us uh, about a month ago, and now they keep coming back and saying, how do we do this as a model? So really getting kids to understand coding, but it's not teaching them. It's um, like we do game playing and gamifying. So there's a couple of things at play that make it especially interesting. One is we have some of the best mentors in our whole community who have said, oh yeah, I want to be in this. I want to help out because it's a free club. And that was an important, um, it'd be really easy to charge, you know, $500,000. Sure. But the idea really was to level the playing field. And once you start charging money for it, that's gone. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to make this available. So we've got this really cool mix of kids who had, many of whom had never known each other before. And now they're this like every Saturday, they look forward to it. So we've got mentors involved. Um, we're now starting to look at ramping up um, to become a 501c3 because um, we wanted to get kind of the process right. and, yeah. and get the momentum going. And now that we're starting to do that, um, it's pretty cool because it won't take very long before these kids are running the show and making a huge difference entrepreneurially in our region. Now, if somebody wanted to find out more about it, where on the internets would they go? They can go to on the interwebs, as my kids say. <laughs> the um, series of tubes, you know. Yes, as far as I know. <laughs> Um, coderdojotoledo.com. Okay. Cool. And, uh, what age kid? Uh, it's seven to 17. Okay. So pretty broad, right? It's pretty awesome. broad. Um, the parents, if you are under 13, the parents have to stay there cause it's mm. not a babysitting. Sure. Um, <laughs> we've been asked that it's amazing. It's, it's kind of a funny thing that we take for granted, but, um, so there is parental involvement, yeah. but, oh man, it's really, it's. It's really cool. Sounds awesome, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you guys should stop by sometime yeah. on Saturday. Where, where is it? Um, it's at Potter Technology, so it's Skylife in Rossford. Okay. Um, and they've been they've been really awesome. They just they had us on a show once and then said, "Hey, yeah, you can use this space." And it's a huge open space. Yeah. So, um, but pretty soon we will probably be expanding and looking for other opportunities. So we have one or two places that have stepped up and are open for more. I think uh, Dan Paquette was talking to John Ewing from Hanson Inc. about possibly doing it out there. It would be awesome. They we got would a beautiful facility. Yes, there. they do. It would be awesome. So uh, my husband created the goal of if you look at like the the average number of kids in that age range, it's like six thousand in Toledo. That's a lot of coder dojos. Mm -hmm. So if we, I think his goal is to have about twenty. Um, dojos operating in the next uh, two to three years. Wow. So, yeah. So it's kind wow. of fun. You going to make it? Absolutely. Right on. <laughs> got to stay ahead of it. I don't know how, but. All right. Well, Molly, thanks very much for coming on. We, we really appreciate it. Thanks, so, guys. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah. Great to be here. No problem. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. This has been episode eight of the Toledo Matters podcast. Uh, be sure to check the episode notes. We went over a lot of stuff today, and there's a lot of links, and we'll get that all in there for you. So uh, we hope to have you back next time.